Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, I want to, I want to share uh, not so much a quote-unquote message with you. That's not really my goal this morning. My goal is really is to uh, just share some things that come out of the recess of my heart, some truths that have dramatically changed my life. And, uh, and my prayer really for today is that as I share these things, once again, not a structured message, just really some thoughts uh, that, that the way it's resonated in my heart for well over a decade now that, that God would do the same thing in you. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. God, as always, I do not believe there's a single person that's here by accident. So, Lord, would you help us to lean in and to just simply receive from you today. God, I believe there's, there's some things that you want us to hear. And so we open up our hearts wide to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, within the pages of the Bible, uh, we find three short words that have the ability to dramatically change our lives. And those three words are this. God is love. God is love. Now, what's so funny is, is I realize as I say those three words that come out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that it has the ability to stir up a lot of different things in people. And uh, for starters, I realize that there's people who kind of hear, you know, those three words, God is love, as if it's some cute, you know, maybe even dorky Christian slogan, right? It's, in other words, it's just uh, the church's version of Nike's Just Do It, Wendy's Where's the Beef, Remember, God Loves You, It Ain't Easy Being Cheesy, Can You Hear Me Now? Like it kind of flows right along with that, Right. And then there are those who interpret those three words similar to how a kid would feel about ice cream or how maybe we feel about a new dress or a new truck or a new restaurant in town. It's a pleasant thought for a moment, but then we move on to more important things. So it's kind of like someone says, you know, God loves you, and you want to say, you know, don't get too carried away because we love lots of things, right? And then there are those who hear it but don't hear it. In other words, they've heard it so many times it's kind of lost its impact, Right, like it doesn't have the same punch, it doesn't have the same power that it used to have. It kind of falls in between, you know, whatever, like good morning and welcome to Walmart. Right? So, so therefore, you know, it's like God loves you is almost like just some verbal thumbs up that you give somebody, right? But, but there's others who take it more personal and they hear it uh, even in this way as an impossible possibility. And what I mean by that is they hear those three words and immediately they say to themselves, that's ridiculous, like, how could any God in his right mind love me? Like, what have I done in my life, right, that would give God a reason to do that? Now, obviously, I've lived long enough to know that most people don't come out and just say that, right? Like, that's awkward. You don't just say that. But, but what we do is we instantly begin to process that the possibility of God loving us through the lens of our own failures and our own weaknesses and our own mistakes. And, and through all of that, we decide, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve it, right? Therefore, it's preposterous to think that God can love me. Now, I, once again, I've, I've been around long enough that it's not just unbelievers who think like that. I've met a lot of Christians who think that too. What I mean by that is, is in their minds, they think it's okay to say, you know, look, I'm confident that I'm going to heaven, 
But to claim that the creator of the universe loves me individually and personally, well, that, that, that takes guts, maybe even ignorance, right? And, and then there's some who hear it through their own pain and their disappointment. In other words, they process God is love through their past, and they think this, if God truly loved me, then why did that happen to me? God, where were you then? Am I making sense to anybody? And so when they hear God is love, it's like somebody snatching the, a scab off an old wound, and all it does is bring confusion and anger to the surface. And then there's those who hear it as an unshakable reality. In other words, through their experience, the words God loves you or God is love, right? That, that's nothing more than a reminder of the joy and the peace and the rest and the security and stability that they have found through the gospel. So it puts a smile on their face. And lastly, and this is really what I want to get at today, and kind of if this is you, this is who I want to talk to, is there are many, many Christians whose minds, when they hear those words, God is love, it's kind of like a mixture of all the above. What I mean by that is it depends on where their emotional roller coaster life is at at the moment. Are we having an up day? Are we having a down day? Are we high? Are we low? If it's a good day, God really loves me. If it's a bad day, uh, I'm not real sure. Right? And it's kind of like if we start dwelling in our past long enough, especially those things that we try to keep in the closet, and we start pulling those out, that's when we get angry. God, where were you at? Right? And then if we're kind of just in the middle and it kind of is what it is, going to flow, it's like uh, God loves you, cool, whatever, that's great. Right? Okay, big deal. Kind of numb. Up and down, up and down. So with that thought in mind, can I just ask today, uh, man, am I the only one that's ever had a front row seat on that roller coaster? <laughs> yeah. See, see er, early on in my Christian journey, I, I silently, and, I, and I, I want to key in on that word silently because as a pastor, you can't say that. You can't say, hey, I'm on an emotional roller coaster and I'm not sure if Jesus loves me or not. Like it's your job to know what the theology books say. God is love. And so you tell everybody. And so, so I, I knew what the book said, right? Like I could, I could sing all the songs. I could, I could, you know, quote the scriptures. I even preached about the love of God a time or two. But, but I finally got to the point where I realized that every time I was doing all of that, man, it wasn't real and it wasn't authentic. It was fake and it was phony, right? And it wasn't because I wanted it to be. It's just because in my heart, I wasn't sold that God really loved me. Wasn't sold on it, right? Like I couldn't understand in my heart how God could consistently love me in an unconditional way. So in hindsight, here's really what it boiled down to. Here's where my struggles were. It's like I had a really hard time reconciling how God could truly love me with how I felt on the inside. There was conflict there. Right? And, and the only way I know how to describe it is this. If you can imagine that we're making a, a, like a big old pot of stew and the, the ingredients are feelings of insecurity, inferiority, right? Insignificance. Oh, we got to put a little bit of rejection in there, right? A little bit of anger. Oh, man, we always need that, right? Bitterness, disappointment. Let's give it a taste. Uh, no, it's missing. You're not sure if anybody cares. I'm making sense. Like, now let's throw in all the words of death that I heard spoke over me for years as a kid, and right, and all the words of negativity that said I was dumb, I was stupid, I'd never amount to nothing. Like, like let's let all that brew for about 20 years. And then let's take like a pinch of salt. God is love. 
So for years, that, that pinch, that single thought that God loves me, man, that thing was silenced, or we can even say it was choked out by all the negative emotions and all the negative thoughts that were constantly running through my mind. Once again, they were contradicting. There was a tension there. I, I, I couldn't make sense of it. So here's what happened. I want you to hear this. Here's what happened. Was I saved? Yes. Was I going to heaven? Yes. Was I praying? Yes. Was I reading my Bible? Yes. Was I living a righteous life? Yes. But here's what I miss is that when you read the Bible and you pray from that place of being all mixed up in all that stuff, then, then without you really knowing it over time, you become hard and cold and legalistic and religious. Right? So, so thank God through a series of events and a series of meeting certain people, series of certain moments in prayer, certain moments of worship where God broke through. He began to show me where I was really missing it. And it really came through the idea of this, that I thought God was angry, not because he's angry, but because I was angry. That I thought God was unhappy because I was unhappy. Am I making sense to anybody? So all I did was mix Christian theology, and I mixed it in with how I felt personally. And it left me with a twisted view of God, twisted view of myself, twisted view of others. And so the bottom line was this. In fact, if you haven't heard me say anything yet, here, here was my problem. My problem was is I didn't give love because I didn't know how to receive love. That's what it boiled down to. But thank God he began to reveal this truth to me. And this truth began to transform my life, and it got me off that roller coaster. <laughs> that roller coaster wear you out, won't it? Right? And, and here was, the, here was the, the thought, the revelation, the truth that got me off that thing. It was that God is not only love, but he loves me. I know that's so simple. See, what happened is, is I read this verse one day. In fact, it was the third verse I ever memorized, but it took me years and years and years and years to catch the end of it. I got the first part pretty quick. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I got that. Lived that. Okay? The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I got that. What I missed was who loved me and gave himself for me. When I finally grabbed a hold of that little two-letter word that was in there, man, freedom began to come. Am I making sense to y'all? So the only way I know how to describe it is this. It's almost like a really dark night, and the sun begins to rise, right? And as the, the, the love of God began to rise in my heart, it began to dissipate like light does with darkness, all of those lies and all that evil and all those words spoken, all those feelings and emotions that I carried for all those years. That was a really good place. And it really just came through that revelation of those three words, God is love. So I bring all that to the forefront really because I want to get us to a spot today. And if I can kind of connect this, it took me a minute, but there's things that I have seen through prayer and through interaction with people and just paying attention, discernment, that, that, that I've seen in this region, and I want to speak to that today. And, and I want to be really clear to every person in the room today that um, what I'm saying is not from a place of, of judgment. So often if I bring up stuff in the, in the region, people bow up because they think I'm being judgy. I'm not being judgy, okay? I'm saying it because it's familiar to me. 
And what I mean by that is when you've lived there, it's easier to recognize it, right? And so here's what I want to talk about. We all know that it's really no secret that a strong religious spirit has uh, sat over, dare I say, uh, ruled over this area for generations. Like, very evident. In fact, it has been here so long that loads of church people think it's just normal. Right? And so the, the Spirit has not only fragmented and divided the body of Christ again and again, but it's produced an unbelievable amount of people who are self-righteous, and then swing the pendulum all the way to those who are utterly wounded by the church. Right? And the reason I say this, in case you're wondering, the reason I say spirit is because that's exactly what it is. Right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians, right? And he also said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and Ephesians 6, he said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against demonic powers. Right? And so we got to recognize that the spirit that we are up against is not really people. We're not fighting people. We're fighting the spirit that they've come in agreement with that has allowed the kingdom of darkness to get a foothold in this region. Am I making sense? So, so watch this. If I can just run the gauntlet really quick. I, I think there's a lot of people in here who testify that, that the spirit, once again, has produced, yes, spiritual pride in some and sheer feelings of unworthiness in others. But I've also watched that as some feel as if they have climbed the ladder of a spiritual hierarchy, as if they've arrived at some holy pinnacle and they act as such. Right? While others feel like they got to crawl under the barrel of religion and wallow in their guilt and shame. I've watched people literally thumb their noses at, at people who that they deem are spiritually less fortunate. Right? While others have vowed to never darken the doors of a church again. Right? Like, like some over here reek of religious piety. While others over here feel like they're trash and they smell like trash. And look like trash because they've been told that for 20, 30, 40 years that they can't measure up. Right? And so some act like they are God's gift to straighten out the unrighteous. While others over here feel like they just can't ever get healthy enough to get discharged from the spiritual hospital. Right? And so then right in the middle of all of that dysfunction, you have a bunch of good-hearted people that are just trying their best to navigate through the dysfunction just because they really love Jesus and they're trying to keep their head above the water. Am I the only one that's seen this? So how my brain works, I'm like, man, what's the answer to all that? Like, I like a good challenge. Right? Like, like what, what's, what's the answer to all that? I believe, okay, and we can say there's several, but I believe one of the main answers is this, is people in that group, in that group, and yes, in this group, is that we all need a revelation of the love of God. Because watch this, funny enough, it's like what, what these two opposing groups, what they don't understand is that the core, they're not that different, Right? Sure, they may go about things differently, but when the rubber meets the road, they're really struggling with the same similar thoughts. And I want y'all to listen to this, because here's what they're struggling with. They think this, will I ever be who God wants me to be? Am I enough for him? Did I pray enough? Did I read enough? Was I good enough? Did I pass the test? Did I hit the mark? And then they think, oh, no, I missed it there, and I missed it there. And then they go, oh, no, they get in their feelings. I don't feel love. Does he still love me? And they go, did he finally recognize, did my, did my mask fall off? And now he's looking at me and goes, yeah, they're unlovable. You go, man, I'm not worthy. I, I haven't had a good week. It's been low. I haven't been high. It's been low, right? 
And then they go this, well, well maybe, maybe God's rejecting me. Okay, i got to work harder to prove my love. i got to work harder to show my devotion. And then we say, God, I promise you I'll be better and I'll do better. Would you please just give me one more chance? How do I know that that's what they're thinking? Because I've been there. Right? But here's the vast difference between the two. So that's the common denominator. What's the vast difference? It's because on this side of the aisle... These folks are busy trying to earn, keyword, they're trying to earn something that they've already been given through religious performance. It doesn't matter if it's an earthly relationship or a spiritual one, fear always produces performance. And they are afraid that they're that far from rejection, so they got to perform, right? So while the other side of the aisle, what they've done is they've convinced themselves. Somebody needs to listen to this. They have convinced themselves, tried to, year after year after year after year, that they're just a lost cause. It's for other people, but man, there's just something broken in me. It's not going to work. I'll never cut the mustard. I'll never make the grade. I'll never reach the standard. Like, you know, I'll never get there. And, and here's why. Because hopelessness always births the question that says, why should I even try? So they're trying to earn it, and they're fighting their hardest over here from keeping to receive it. And I believe that that religious spirit just laughs at us. Why? Because if he gets us there, if he gets us there, job done. Take a lunch break. Right? Because here's the thing. It's this. It's because he succeeded in deceiving both of those groups. And how has he deceived them? He's deceived them by causing them to believe that the love of God has to be earned. As if it was for sale. So I think like, man, if I could say, there's a lot of things I want to say. But one thing I want to say to us today, like, man, if we can understand that, that God will never be bribed or manipulated through our actions. We can't bribe him through prayers. We can't manipulate him through service. Right, Because the truth is, is we can't earn something that's already been given to us freely. It's free. So, like I recently alluded to is this, is when, when all this began to dislodge in my heart, is when I showed up in that church in North Carolina, my pastor started preaching on the love of God, and, and I can still hear it like yesterday. He'd say this, God doesn't have love, because God is love. What? God doesn't have love. It's not some feeling for him. Because he is love. Is. It's his very being. It's very his nature. He defines love. And then he would quote, right, 1 John 4, 8, and he would say, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then he began to add this thing that just exploded in my brain. He said this. He said that basically that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing that you can't do to make him love you less. Am I making sense? Because the, the, the whole basis of it, it is an unconditional love. What does that mean? There's no conditions attached to it. Right? So, so let me just say this. If you're hearing this and something like is going inside of you, that's religion. How do I know? Because I did it. <laughs> right? 
So, so the idea here is this, is that he cannot love us any more than he does right now because he is love. So as I listened to my pastor preach, man, it was like, oh, you know, he preached God's word. He was given everything, Bible, 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 Bible. Like that religious bondage just started melting off of me, right? And at first it was hard, like I told you all that. But, but listen, I, what I realized as he preached is that I could no longer uh, try to convince God to be who he already is. I was trying to convince him to be him. Love me, right? Kind of already am, right? So I kind of got to this point, and this is just something I want you to grab a hold of today is this, is that God loves us because of who he is, not because of who we are. God loves us because of who he is, not because of who we are. When I realized that, it was so freeing, right? Like, it was freeing that, that despite all my striving and all my performing, despite all of my weaknesses and all of my failures, that he still said, you know what? I love you. With no strings attached, with no quotas to meet, with no boxes to check, he just said, I love you because 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 that's who I am and that's the way I am. Like, there's something really cool when you get settled on something. Like, that got settled in me, right? So, how do I know what I'm telling you is true? I'm going to show you this verse, Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates, that means God shows, God proves his own love toward us. In that, watch these next few words. While we were still sinners. Let me read to you like, other verses connected. While we were still opposed to him, while we were still his enemy, while we were still living in darkness, Christ died for us. That means that he chose to love us before we even knew he existed. He chose to love us before we ever heard the gospel, before we ever said yes to him, before we knew how to pray, how to read, how to worship, before we said, God, I love you, right? He loved us before we had a good track record, right? That he's given us his love before we even knew we needed it. So listen, so why on the earth are we trying to obtain it now by our own efforts, like, we just have to receive it like we do any gift. With what? With a grateful heart. Watch this. Because to do otherwise is to say this to God. God, you love me more as a sinner than you do me as a son or a daughter. We act like that, don't we? Jesus loved me enough to save me. And he loves me enough to bring me to heaven. But in the meantime, get your act together. Better earn it. See, it was at that point I realized that, that when I was attempting to earn the love of God and trying to convince him to love me and convince him that I was worthy of his love, I, I wasn't actually drawing near to him. Truth is, is I was pushing him further away. Because what happens like, is like he's trying to give me a gift, and I'm like this, no, 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 Jesus, no, 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 I don't want it. I'm good. Nope, nope, you stay there. Nope, nope, I... Let me prove it to you first that, I can, that I, I'm worthy of it. You stay there. Let me try to do my thing. I appreciate the cross. Appreciate the resurrection. But let me prove to you that I earned this thing. Because we think that that's what it means to give our love back to him. 
And I just think, you know, if I could say this quickly, and we can't figure out why Christians struggle the same way lost people do. Why are all these lost people running, 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 running after affirmation and, and acceptance and looking for love? And then we turn the corner and we see their neighbor that says they're a Christian doing the exact same thing. Because the bottom line is, is the Christian hasn't figured it out yet that when they met God, they met love. And so they're still trying to go find love through the things that the world has to offer. And they say this, well, if I can get somebody to marry me. If I can fall in love, if I can get a better job, if I can make more money, if I can uh, somehow get my spouse to notice me and love me more, if I can get that thing and that thing and that thing, if I can get that promotion, if I can get my business go this big, then somehow that will fill this void. And the truth is, is while all that may not be quote-unquote evil, it still leaves us empty. Right? And the reason it leaves us empty is because God wired us. He created us that the only place that we can find true meaning in life and true purpose in life and, the, and real fulfillment in life was in and through him. That's it. See, that's why the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 90 verse 14. This is Moses actually talking. He says, oh, satisfy us with your loving kindness. Y'all, that should be our prayer. God, would you help me? Be satisfied in your love. What's the outcome? That we may rejoice and be glad, not for an up day. No, 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 no. All the days of our life. All the days. See, true joy is a byproduct of being satisfied in his love. Great place to say amen. So another thing that shifted for me, just another thought is the way I saw the gospel. Be, because I saw God as an angry God because I was angry. I saw God being because I was unhappy, right? And I thought, okay, oh, I guess I'll go down there and fix that. Bunch of daggum knuckleheads. Now, he may think that some, right? But what happened was, is when I began to catch a glimpse of the love of God, I began to read the Bible way different. And I began to notice that he, that he called the human race again and again and again and again. This one word, lost. They're lost, right? And, and when you look that word up, it doesn't mean traditional sense of how you and I would use the word lost. It actually means this. It means to have missed the point of what it means to be a person. That's what it means. That we've missed the point of what it means to be created in his image. Right? And so we all know that through the fall in Genesis chapter 3, that Adam and Eve, you know, took the human race, right? They took the wrong turn, took us all down that road where we forgot our why we existed in the first place. Why do we exist? To love him and to be loved by him. That's your reason for existing. To love God and to be loved by God. See, this is why Jesus came, right? He came, yes, to to restore sonship. Yes, he came to reveal the kingdom. Yes, he came to do all of that. I'm not taking away from any of that. But, but in the idea of the lostness, hear this verse, Luke 19.10. This is Jesus talking about his mission. For the Son of Man, that's him, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's come to seek and to save that which has forgotten why it exists. He came to restore us back to our why. 
Let me give you a few more verses run along that same gamut. They echo it. Psalm 119 says, I have wandered away like a lost sheep. God, come and find me. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 1 Peter 2, 25 says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. See, one of my favorite chapters in the Gospel of Luke is, is Luke 15. Like Once again, we see Jesus give three parables that all center around us being lost. What does he say? There was a shepherd who had 99 sheep, and he says he left the 99 to go find the one lost sheep. There was a woman who had 10 silver coins, and she lost one, and says that she lit a lamp and swept the house carefully till she found her one lost coin. says that there was a man who had two sons, right? One of them became a knucklehead, and he ran off, and he, and he squandered his wealth. And, and it says what? It says that when that lost son came to his senses, and he started coming down the road, that's a sign of repentance. So coming down the road, it says the father ran to his son, his lost son, and gave him a hug. And not only did he give him a hug, but keep reading, he restores that lost son back to his rightful place. What is that? As one who loves the father and is loved by the father. See, as I begin to read all that stuff, I begin to understand something that I never saw about myself before. I, I never saw myself in this way, but I finally saw that, guess what, that I am and you are the object of God's love. Do you understand that, that God is concerned about us? We have his attention. If you're asleep, if you're awake, he sees you. Right? There's never a moment where he is not fully engaged, fully aware of what's happening in your life. Why? Because we are the object of his love. So that's why 1 John 4 says this. It says this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, the object, right? And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. John 3, 16, we all know it. For this is how God loved the world. This is how God loved all the little objects, right? He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, what I love about this is, is all these things show that even in our darkest hours, God didn't turn his back on us. Instead, what did he do? As the object of his love, he pursued us. Yeah. Right? And he pursued us with this mindset. He didn't say, if you promise to love me, I'll come to you. He didn't say, if you accept my sacrifice, I'll come die for you. No, no, he, he didn't do any of that. The, the bottom line is, is he didn't come for anything that we could do for him, he came solely for what he could do for us. Such good news. To expound on this, that we all know that the words love there in the original language is the word agape. According to one Greek scholar, here's how he expounded on the definition, said what agape means. And I want us to grab a hold of this. That agape is a love that loves so profoundly that it knows no limits or boundaries in how far, how wide, how high. And deep it will go to show that love to its recipients, to that object. If necessary, agape love will even sacrifice itself for the sake of that person it so deeply cherishes. Agape is the highest form of love, a self-sacrificial type of love that moves the lover to action. I love that. Agape is love that has no strings attached. It isn't looking for what it can get, but for what it can give. It's all for the one 
who is loved is so deep that it is compelled to shower love upon that person regardless of the response. This is the profound love God has for the human race. For he loved man when he was still lost in sin and no ability to love him back. God simply loved mankind without any thought or expectation of receiving love in return. See, when I began to see the gospel through agape, it was a whole lot easier for me to understand why Jesus came and laid down his life for me willingly. And it was a whole lot easier for me to see why he endured that cross with joy and why he was so eager to forgive my sins. In fact, there's a verse that comes to mind to me today. It simply says this, where it says, God delights, he delights, he delights, finds pleasure, he delights in mercy. Why does he delight in mercy? Because he delights in us. And all the, you know, we, we get so caught up, you know, thinking God is, I, I'm not saying that God doesn't, pay attention to sin because he does but in the sense he's not after our sin he doesn't collect sin right like people collect cars jesus doesn't collect sin okay he, he removes sin because he's trying to once again bring us back to our why why he created us he's trying to bring us back to this loving relationship with him in fact i want you to know today because here's what i learned is that is that you and i actually function at our best when we know that we're unconditionally loved by god like when we are trying to function from a, a striving performance mentality we don't even get anywhere close to our fullness when we are trying to please god you know, basically from the sense of, of let, me, let me heap shame and guilt on myself to somehow show that I'm humble and I'm worthy of your love, you're really not operating to the fullest. Right? right? And you're definitely not operating to your, you know, the fullest when you're living a life of sin. Right? And when you're independent from God. You and I are living at the highest possible place that we can live when we are walking in the unconditional love of God. And that's where we are satisfied, and that's where we find our identity as a son that is loved, as a daughter that is loved. Amen. Let me give you one final verse we'll be done. It's kind of obscure, but I believe it speaks to God's faithfulness, his goodness, and his tenderness towards us. It comes out of Isaiah 49. I want you to listen to what the Lord asked his people. He said this. He said, can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. And then he says these amazing words. Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. <laughs> I love that. Abandonment is not an issue with God. <laughs> Amen. Surely they may forget. But I will not forget you. Now listen. I know we have some incredible mothers in the room and, uh, and here's what I think, if I can elaborate on what I think God's saying, is he's saying that, that a mother loves her children unconditionally, not because they're beautiful, because we all know they're some ugly babies. <laughs> not because they're cute, not because they're well-behaved, because we know somebody needs a spanking, right? Anyways, and, and not because they're brilliant, right? Like, she loves them simply because they are hers, they're hers, right? And because they are hers, right, she is there for them day and night. That's what he's saying. That even when she sleeps, if she hears a whimper, a cry from one of them, she's fully awake attending to their needs. 
Like I can't tell you how many days that woman over there has heard one of our children and immediately popped up because she's operating out of this and I'm sleeping. Thank God God's not like me, right? Um, she's cleaning throw up and I'm running through the hills, right? So anyways, but, but I think this is what he's talking about. Like this woman, she consistently pours out her unconditional love on her children with what? With her words, with the look of her eyes, with the touch of her hands. And through all of this, the child comes to the knowledge, I am loved. It's that simple, right? And so I just think, you know, when I was writing this, I wrote this down. I feel like it's like, okay, Lord, cool, talk to us. Here's what I, what I wrote kind of first person from the Lord. That God is saying that how I feel towards you, right? How he feels towards you. That you are constantly in my sight and under my care. Like if we can catch a glimpse of this. That God is saying to us, you are constantly in my sight and under my care. So rest in that place of acceptance, peace, and security. You are my beloved, the apple of my eye. So be set free from your constant striving and just receive my love. It's a gift to you to not only enjoy but also to flourish in. Good word. Right? Amen. Can you stand up real quick? I want to pray a verse over you and we'll be done. This is Ephesians 3.16. This is Paul, a prayer that Paul prayed over the church that was in Ephesus. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources... He, God, will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. And then it says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Other translations says this, that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. Then it says in verse 18, it says, And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. That, that knowledge that's talking about, that understanding, is talking about a, a womb that you experience, not just in your head, but that you've experienced in your heart. And it says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand or to understand fully. It says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Can I, can I read that last part again? Then, what is then? When you're rooted and grounded in love, you'll be made complete. You'll be satisfied with all the fullness of life and power that comes not from the world, but it comes from Him. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, only you know every person's story in this room. But God, I'm asking, God, like I did years ago when I felt like you put me under a waterfall and you began to wash off all that negative stuff, all that religion, all those uh, negative emotions, negative thoughts, all those things. Does anybody care? Does anybody love? love me. God, the way that you washed all that off, God, I'm asking that you would begin to do that in this room today. Lord, I'm asking that we, as your people, your sons, your daughters, that we can stand in that place today, God, and let you come and make us clean. Father, I ask, God, according to that scripture there in Ephesians 3, 
that we as your people would be rooted and grounded in your love, your agape love, that we would know, God, that we are the object of your love, that we are the apple of your eye, that we are your beloved. And so, Lord, even in that simple word, beloved, God, I pray that we would be loved. God, help us be loved by you. God, bring us back to our why. Bring us back to the whole reason why Jesus came. God, that we would simply love you and be loved by you. And any lie or any experience that would say otherwise, Father, we thank you for interjecting your truth and your light in that area. God, in helping us be free. Let, let me say this. I didn't say this last service, but yeah, I'll just pray it in a sense. That, Father, if there's any person in this room today that has been hanging on to something for years that they did intentionally or unintentionally uh, that just turned out bad, Lord, that it, it didn't work out right, it didn't work out the way they hoped, God, if, you know, if it's labeled sin or, or just a mistake or an accident, Lord, I'm asking today in the name of Jesus that they would receive not just love, but they would receive your forgiveness today. God, that they would just let it go because, Lord, you've already let it go. In fact, Lord, in your love, you already forgot about it a long time ago. And, Lord, they keep trying to bring it up and remind you about it, and you don't even know what they're talking about. And so, Lord, if there's stuff that needs to be healed there, let it be healed. Make them whole. God, we ask, God, that you would return joy, you would return life, that you would break depression off of them, and, Lord, that you would begin to move as only you can move in their heart. Father, we thank you that you're a good God that redeems, that redeems to the uttermost. Lord, we thank you for that. So, Lord, I bless your people today. I bless every single one of us in this room to step up to the place where we simply receive your unconditional love so we can function and operate in that security and that peace and that joy and that hope today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.